This podcast was brought to you by AD Banker and Company, specialists in licensing your office staff for property and casualty or life and health since 1979. Licensing webinar classes now available so your staff can study and learn at home or right there in your office. For more information, go to adbanker.com. Christy Mueller is a top agent at New York Life. Since 2001, Christy has been ranked among the top 50 agents every year in a field force of more than 12,000. More importantly, she has earned the trust and loyalty of hundreds of clients who praise her passion, commitment, and winning approach to doing business. Before joining New York Life in 1985, Christy worked as a television news anchor and reporter for 10 years at CBS television stations on the West Coast. During that time, she won a news and documentary Emmy for her breaking news story about flooding in Portland, Oregon. She is a graduate of UC Santa Barbara with a degree in English literature. She was born in Des Moines, Iowa, and raised in Southern California. Christy now lives in a waterfront home on Lake Washington, just a short commute from her offices in Renton and Bellevue, Washington. She was featured on the cover of Washington CEO Magazine in connection with an article entitled Million Dollar Women. She also appeared in the cover of Life Insurance Selling Magazine for a story about her successful strategies on retirement planning for baby boomers and was a finalist for the Nellie Cashman Award, the prestigious Women Business Owner of the Year honor that is presented by the Women Business Owners Organization. I'd like to welcome to our program uh, Christy Mueller, who is a successful financial advisor with New York Life out of uh, uh, the uh, uh, Seattle, Washington area. Uh, Welcome, Christy. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Say, Christy, tell us a little more about uh, what you do there uh, in your business. Well, I sort of joke about it to my friends. I'm sort of like the rollover queen. Um, What I do is work with people who are thinking ahead toward retirement planning and kind of get them positioned. There's sort of two parts to retirement planning. There's the accumulation phase, which is exactly what, you know, what it would sound like. And then there's the distribution phase. And the distribution phase is how to how to spend down your money and make sure that you don't run out. And there's a whole new set of skills um, that people don't have, most of our clients don't have, about distributing money properly. And so what I try to do is get people properly set up for the distribution phase of retirement so it all works out for them very, very well. Yeah. Now, how many policyholders do you have or how many clients do you serve uh, there? Well, I've been doing this 32 years and I have about 2,000 clients, I think. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of folks. Uh, take me back to when you first got in the business. Uh, uh, do you could you relate to our listeners a story about one of your first clients and maybe your first policyholder that you had? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, I actually just spent a week on holiday with one of my very first clients. Uh, she was a cold call, somebody who was in the newspaper. Um, you know, having been listed has gotten a new job, and I called her up and. Um, it's funny to hear her tell a story, which she did last week to a lot of her friends. Um, but I basically did what everybody did and said, you know, I, you're on the move and uh, you probably have needs for mm, a relationship with someone like me and here's what I do and love to get together with you and kind of share a few more ideas. And, and as she told me, she has a long lifetime history of saying no, 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 no. But for some reason, she said yes. And uh, when I got when I visited with her, um, she told me that she was going to die at age thirty, 
and she was 28 at the time, so um, <laughs> she she needed to get a bunch of life insurance for her kids. And as I told her in a little interview I did, a little podcast of my own for her, for uh, I just spent a week in uh, with she and about 50 of her best friends down in Mexico. And I said, you know, you're so right about everything you've said in life, but this one you were wrong because I just celebrated her 60th birthday with her. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I guess I was, a, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a numbers game, um, but also being very approachable and, you know, being a person that people would like to meet is helpful as well. And I got very lucky with her. So she's one of my first and longest term clients for 32 years. You know, that's, uh, that's funny, and it's amazing that you're still a uh, client and friends uh, after all these years. Uh, tell me about uh, where you're from, and where did you grow up? Oh, um, well, I was born in West Des Moines, Iowa, and I lived there until I was uh, in the third grade. My father got transferred. He was in the aerospace industry and got transferred to Southern California. Uh, so we moved to Southern California, where we lived until I went to college. Um, then I went to college in Santa Barbara, which was still California. And I've been kind of working my way up the coast for the rest of my life after college. So here I am in Seattle, right up against the Canadian border. Yes. And now what was your family circumstances? Uh, what uh, took your father and your, your family to the West Coast? Uh, well, my dad was in the aerospace industry. Uh, that was the time of, you know, us trying to get a man to the moon. And he was uh, he hired by a company called Aerojet General to... Um, uh, he was kind of a, a manager, I would say. A supervisor is the best word, uh, in an aerospace company. And my mother was a stay-at-home mom until, oh, it was probably in middle school, and then she became a hairdresser. And actually, probably about 400% of everything I knew, I learned from my mother and her approach to people and her kind of winning formula. Now, that was back in the day, uh, a little before uh, we fly as much as we do now. Did you fly to California or did you load up the truck and uh, and head west? Oh, well, yeah, you didn't fly back then. Those were the old days. We did have cars back then, though, and uh, we drove across. In fact, one of my strongest memories was seeing my very first mountain, and it took us a long time, a full day, to get to that mountain, and then we passed the mountain, and I remember I cried for about an hour after I passed it because I just wanted to be by that mountain. Oh, that's, that's cool. Uh, yeah. When you uh, grew up then and uh, decided to go off to college, why did you pick uh, Santa Barbara? Was there a particular career that you were, you were pursuing uh, then? No, I went there because um, a boy that I, I thought was really cute went there. <laughs> okay, so it's real serious reasons, nothing uh, frivolous. Yes. I didn't do a lot of due diligence. I was, I'm no dummy, though. It's a beautiful place, one of the most beautiful places on earth. And uh, so I wanted to go to school at a beautiful place, had a good English lit department, which I was an English lit major. And even though Andy didn't stay there, uh, I went there because he went there and it seemed like a good place to go. Well, that sounded like it worked out very well. When you got there and you were started to focus your attention on your studies, what did you find you were really good at? You know, I would say um, college was really a challenge for me. Um, I'm a pretty good student. You know, I'm kind of one of those low A people, but I found school, I found college very, very challenging. And I studied like a maniac in school. Um, maybe it was good, good, um, training for later in life, but, um, I found college very challenging. I never your... figured it out. I never figured out uh, what those professors really wanted from me. So I tried to do everything. 
What uh, was your first job when you got out of college? What was your first job uh, when you hit the streets once you had your degree? Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I worked at a bar. <laughs> um, and I can still say two pitchers, poor one, uh, very, very well. <laughs> Um, and uh, then I worked at a doctor's office as a receptionist. And somewhere, I think during the bar period, my mother sent me a cup, which I still have. It has like a, a washerwoman on the front of it, you know, with um, with a mop, and and she's leaning against the mop, kind of a caricature, and it says, "For this, I went to college." My mother being subtle like a rock. Um, <laughs> so I just wandered around, you know. I was I was aimless. I it's, it's interesting because I am so incredibly focused now. But early in life, I was a very aimless person. Didn't know what I wanted. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't know what my my skills were. I was kind of an aimless person. Yeah. Well, I noticed in your bio that at some point uh, you get into the uh, media business or the television business as a broadcaster. How did that opportunity come about? Oh, I don't have enough time to tell you that story. It's a great story, though. Um, but kind of a very shortened version. I was uh, for a local newspaper covering, you know, for free, a freelance person. And I went to um, an interview of a person. I was so impressed with her that I asked uh, a radio person who was actually recording her if I could get a copy. And he said, sure, come down to the radio station. This was in Ashland, Oregon. Um, and I'll get you, a, I'll run off a copy for you. And I walked in the station and I just said this. I mean, this is what I want. It was, I, first of all, I was looking for something. Second of all, it kind of took into account my English lit background, my theater background, and also I have kind of an engineering type mind. And it just seemed to wrap all of it up and it was like a spotlight. And I just said, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. So I finally, it's a very long and great story, but I finally uh, got somebody to hire me midnight to six at a local rock station. And I was the first woman in the valley. Uh, on the air, and then I moved to a radio station, or excuse me, a TV station as an anchor in Boise, then Portland, Oregon, then Seattle, Washington. You keep moving okay. from market to market when you're in media. Yeah. Now, did you uh, then, were you in Seattle or the, the Washington uh, when you got in the insurance business, and how did the insurance business come about? Well, I, I was uh, fortunate, I guess, enough to get laid off um, because my husband, well, I got married to my husband and he was a manager at one of the stations. And so they sat us down and said, one of you needs to leave, so you guys decide. And we thought I could simply walk across the street and get another job, but as it turned out, I couldn't. So I was out of a career. I mean, you know, and I'd done it 10 years and I loved what I did, loved what I did. And it was very, you know, I went through a depression after that um, because I just couldn't be doing what I had trained and become very, very good at. And um, I was at a children's Christmas pageant of, of a woman I, I, I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know what I was doing there. And I was sitting next to this tall blonde woman who was very engaging. And we started talking because, as you can tell, I like to talk. And she said, what is it you do? And I said, well, that's a good question. I'm really looking for work. And she said, you know, you should talk to my husband, Jay Bond. And I pulled out my little day timer and I wrote down his name because I was no dummy. And she said, he's with New York Life. And I just closed the daytimer down. And I sat upright in my chair and she was staring at me. And I said, what? She said, you closed your mind without having any information. She said, it doesn't seem like you. And I thought, wow, that's not like me. 
so, and he's a very well recognized agent for 40 years in Herrick Life. Everybody knows him. And, um, and I met him and he, he was the opposite of what I assumed he would be. And it really opened my eyes to what the industry was. That is interesting. Uh, I think most people uh, have a preconceived notion of what they think uh, mm-hmm. someone in insurance does or how they spend their time. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I mean, I'm sure you've come across that uh, in your career. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I imagined that you had to wear, you know, like a white leisure suit and a white belt, white shoes and be smarmy and, um, you know, kind of you're talking about death. I mean, it just didn't sound all that attractive. But what I didn't understand is how you can create your own business, how you can serve people, how you can make a huge difference in their lives, how much they appreciate you, which is very important to me. Um, you know, my my life, if I had stayed in TV news, you know, it would have been a sad, low, slow, slow decline, you know, because you don't see a lot of 50 or 60-year-old anchor people around. Um, and um, I'm, I've just got the world by the tail now. I'm very, very fortunate. You know, when you started out um, and you first started in the business, uh, what was one of the things that maybe you struggled with the most uh, you, you know, when we talk to successful people, we obviously zero in on the things that they do that help them become successful. But mm. oftentimes successful people have something that they look back on and say, well, you know, I really had to pay attention to this. Uh, and that was really foundational for me to accomplish what I did. So what was something that you had to really work hard or pay attention to? Well, at New York Life, I'm like the poster child for how not to do it the first 10 years. Um, by today's standards, they would have never let me stay. Um, I, I remember I was a disaster. I mean, I could talk to people, I, you know, because I was in television news and because I've just got this kind of personality, again, going back to my mother, talking to people and really calling them was not such a problem. But um, I, I didn't have a lot of discipline about around what I was doing. I think that's one thing. Um, and like anybody, I'd rather go see somebody who wants to see me rather than somebody who potentially could say no. So I saw the same people again and again and again. They were always so kind. Um, but, you know, it wasn't really a good way to earn a living. Um, and I had no system for what I was doing. I, I'd say that was one of the biggest disasters, that I just didn't have a track to run on. I had no system. I actually went through no training at the company, which is not something, you know, that, that occurs now. It's, you know, three years of training now. But I was just kind of dropped in the bucket, and, you know, it was a sink or swim. And I didn't really swim, I'd say. I just didn't totally sink. Hmm. Um so, I mean, I did almost everything wrong. Now, in your business today, obviously you've had great success and continuing success and, and consistently over the years. What's the, the sweet spot that, that you do with you and your people really well? And what do you think defines your practice uh, versus maybe others in your community? Um, I think there's a lot of things. I think um, the first thing that happened is that I started noticing how much the people I was working with uh, appreciated me and what good things I was doing for them. It took me a while to kind of get that because some time had to go by. And then I looked around and I realized I was making a difference in people's lives. And as I mentioned earlier, that's important to me. Um, Boy, a lot of things happened. I went through the Pacific Institute training, which I'm like the poster child for. It really teaches you how your mind operates 
and how you can kind of get to where you want to go via what we call big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Um, and why big, hairy, audacious goals work if you don't ask the how. Most of us get pretty bogged down in the how. That really transformed my life, both uh, personally as well as business-wise. I think um, when I went through that training for probably six years in a row, every year I doubled my income. And, you know, it doesn't seem much if you're at, you know, $50,000 a year and you double your income to 100000 That seems pretty good. But then the next year, if you go to 200 the next year you go to 400 the next year you go to 800 and you do it again, it starts becoming pretty significant. And I use that material to do that. So that was a big deal. Um, I, I think being engaged with people, starting to really have a system, and then that training all together really made the difference in my, in my career. I've read, uh, Christy, that uh, you were a finalist uh, for the, uh, an award uh, by the uh, Women's Business Owners Organization. Tell us uh, a little more about that. Well, it's called the Nellie Cashman Award, and it's awarded to, there are uh, usually five or six nominees per year, and I was one of them. And it's awarded to women who run a successful business, but also mentor other women. Um, it meant a lot to me, actually, to be nominated for that and to make it through the top. I didn't end up getting the award that year, and I would say the woman who won it actually really deserved it. Um, it, but it meant a lot to me because mentoring people matters to me. I didn't have much of a mentor when I started, and I can see what a difference it makes. Um, women are so kind to one another in terms of um, helping each other out, and I believe that this is a great career for anybody, men or women. However, I must say that I think this is the perfect career for a huge number of women. Women are great listeners. You know, they're not trying to stuff a product down someone's throat. They really are listening to the values of the people they're talking to and trying to solve issues for them. And I think women are uniquely aligned to do that. Um, and the, the career is a wonderful one for women, too, because we have all of these issues that come up. Uh, parents who age and eventually we take care of them, children who are in school. And, and this career allows people to meld their lives, to do and live a full life, not just at work, but in their home as well and in their personal life. So I think women are uniquely set up for this particular career. And um, it pleases me to know and to see people blossom in this career. It is a career of unlimited possibilities and unlimited income. And no one's going to tell you what to do but you. So you're really not ever having to deal with the politics of a, you know, a boss over you who's not not rising you up within an organization because you have a conflict of personalities. No one can hold you down. Now, the flip side of that is that there's only it's only up to you, and that's really scary for a lot of people. But if you can rise to that, I think the world is your oyster in this career, especially for women. That sounds uh, sounds exciting. Uh, what uh, excites you, you know, as you look forward to the next few years in this business? What excites you most about where you're at right now in your career and in the next few years uh, that's coming down the road? Well, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm pretty much excited all the time. There's going to be new products and new solutions that come out. I love learning about those. Um, there's going to be challenges in running a business, but... Um, 
you know, I'm fortunate that I have like the best people in the world working with me and we're all just this monstrous team together that um, kind of conquer the world and are trying to do the right thing. And um, I guess I'm, I sound real girl-like here, but I just feel like I'm very, very blessed uh, to have created this world and have people around me that raise me up and I raise them up. And I mean, we've seen each other through parents dying. We've seen each other through cancer. We've seen each other through divorces. And you get to know people pretty well. And um, we're just very fortunate to have each other. So I don't know. I guess... I sound a little goofy when I say it, but I feel very blessed. I think it sounds wonderful. Uh, and I, I, I gather that some of that was probably originated with your mom and dad. And uh, do you have any, any selected memories about examples that your parents set or maybe advice that they gave you that uh, you still uh, utilize in your, your business and personal life today? You know, it's so interesting. The older I get, the more I start dragging out little pearls that happened early in my life. My, my parents were good savers, and so that served me well. You know, as they say, as a friend of mine in Hawaii says, the coconut does not fall far from the palm. Um, and so I was a good saver as well. Um, I went through a divorce um, about eight, nine years ago, and um, I had the opportunity to give away most of my money. Uh, that was a very alarming thing for a saver, and I had to figure out using the, the tools that I use for my clients how to fix that for myself, which I've done. So I'm very grateful to have those skills and be able to apply them to myself. And, you know, helping my mom through especially the last three years of her life and knowing her fears I mean, one of her fear, you know, just picture being the daughter of a woman who was a very positive person. And she remained a positive person to the day she died. Bless her heart. But I remember walking into her room and um, her eyes would be big as saucers and she'd say to me, am I going to be okay? And what she was saying is, we were going through a lot of money those last year and a half. And uh, she was wondering, is she going to run out of money? And I could look her in the eye and say, you are fine. You know, the thing is, is when you're 91 years old, worrying about money should be the last thing on your mind. But if not, people still worry about it. And I could just look at her in the eye and say, you're going to be fine. That's what I could do for my clients. And I tell my clients these stories about my mother and my father. Um it makes me human, it makes people relate to me, and it's made me a far better planner. Christy, thank you so much for sharing uh, your personal story. And for our listeners, again, this is uh, Christy Mueller, who is a very successful financial advisor with New York Life, with offices in uh, Renton and Bellevue, Washington. Uh, and Christy, uh, thank you for being with us today. It's been an honor. Thank you. Oh, hi, you're still here. Say, if you are interested in reaching thousands of licensed insurance producers across the country, why not consider sponsoring a guest podcast? If you had sponsored this episode, we would be telling thousands of listeners daily about you and your company. Find our contact information to request prices and availability at insuranceradio.com.